You have reached Pod Level Midnight, a conversation show about sports, movies, and whatever else we find along the way. I'm your host, Josiah Dury. Let's go. Hey everybody, so no guests this week. Uh, we've got some good stuff lined up for the next few weeks, but just wanted to take some time this week to talk about a couple movies that I saw over the last week, calling this a, calling this a double feature. So what I wanted to do is um, I saw two different movies over the last week that are new releases and saw that there were some kind of similarities between them. I just wanted to talk about those and kind of highlight them, give a little background on the movies and kind of my thoughts and opinions on them. One of the reasons I want to do this is because I know there's a new Marvel movie out this weekend, Eternals, which I have not seen yet, um, but I know that's going to kind of dominate the conversation and the movie and the box office and everything um, this weekend. So I want to talk about a couple of movies that are more under the radar, um, a couple of original um, original stories, original features um, that I saw this past week and just some thoughts and maybe encourage people to see them and yeah, give my, my thoughts on them. So the two movies um, are... Last Night in Soho, and The Harder They Fall. So I'm going to start with um, giving a little, just a little bit of the similarities between the two of them, and then we'll get into both of them. So um, Last Night in Soho came out um, a little over a week ago now, only in theaters. The Harder They Fall is on Netflix. Um, and the interesting thing about both these movies is that they are both similar in the sense that they're both like really stylized genre movies. So Last Night in Soho is a horror movie um, by genre and the harder they fall is a western Um, and they're both kind of i don't know if you want to say new but unique takes on those genres and they do it in a specifically both the directors do it in a very stylized way so you have you know two genres in horror and western that are both usually very gritty very like down and dirty um, intense in a lot of ways and these movies are still intense but they these movies have a style to them and kind of a, a bit of a glossy finish um, that gives them more more visual appeal, in my opinion. And it's just a different kind of way of presenting the same genre movie. It's not, you know, The Heart of the Falls is a, is a Western and a cowboy movie, but it's got a lot of a lot of colors, a lot of um, very clean looking people rather than your typical dirty Western. And for a horror movie, uh, Last Night in Soho is, again, very colorful in the same way and doesn't really quite get to the maybe some of the most disturbing or intense parts of a horror movie or of the horror genre. So just interesting. I'm going to talk about both the movies more specifically, but both of them, I would say, are stylized genre movies. Another similarity is both of them feature um, up-and-coming stars, so I'm going to talk about this with each movie, but... Um, they both have some people that you may know a little bit about, but that are going to be very, very big actors over the next three, three or five years um, in both of the, starring in, in both of the movies. So that's interesting, um, interesting kind of comparison between the two. And then the one of the similarity that I saw was they're both movies that are kind of reframing the the setting of these typical genre movies. So. The Harder They Fall is a is a Western kind of typical Western story, but it's a it's an all black cast. It's telling the the perspective of the 
African-American cowboy and their, you know, their story, their experience. And then you have Last Night in Soho, which is a, a horror movie, but is not really in a setting that is very common for a horror movie with it being set obviously in Soho in London. And it has two female leads um, that are kind of going through this, this story. So I'm going to get into the specifics of each movie, but those are kind of the similarities off the top um, that I saw that made me just kind of compare and contrast these movies as I watched them in um, within a couple of days of each other over the past week or so. So I'm going to start with in depth. I'm going to start with The Heart of They Fall. So The Heart of They Fall was, um, it was in theaters for a couple of weeks, pretty limited um, release as far as I could tell, uh, but came on Netflix this past week. And this is, like I said, the kind of, the concept of the movie is that it's an all black um, Western basically. And so that I'm going to get into the cast in a minute, but there's a really deep cast of some of the most um, prominent, like African-American and um, black performers in, you know, that are working today. And so that's kind of the, the basic pitch of the movie, but I think there's a lot more to it than just that. Um, when we, so Cam and I did this movie preview podcast a few weeks ago and talked about, this is one of the movies that we're looking forward to this year. And what's really interesting is that, 25% of cowboys like in real life, like back in Western um, in kind of the Western era were black and almost every Western that we've seen. And I'm not, per, I'm not personally a huge fan of the Western genre, like kind of when you've seen one, you've seen, seen them all. But for this um, it's a chance to kind of represent that that hasn't been ever really seen before with a few pretty small um, exceptions so that was kind of what they set out to do with this movie, but they wanted to also kind of tell the tell the story of these real um, historical people. So the as the movie opens, the kind of initial setting of the movie is they have a you know some words that come on the screen, and it basically says this is not exactly a true story, but these people existed. So the majority of the characters in the movie and the names that you hear that they are um, called by are real historical figures that have been, you know, written about or told about through their adventures, you know, similar to other like cowboys from history, I guess. So, so that was interesting um, just to hear that there is a lot of history backing this up. Of course, it's not the events of this movie are not like accurate historically, but it is kind of an imagining of these, these characters, these um, historical african-american cowboys so one of the things i really like about this is that it's a like i said it's a it's a genre movie it's an all-black cast but it's one of the rare movies where a, a predominantly black cast is in a movie and it's not the the subject of the movie isn't some sort of either injustice or basically the subject of the movie isn't racism and it's not like about their suffering or their it's not a civil rights movie it's not about them overcoming racism like there's certainly elements to the movie that are about racial um tension or whatever else but it's not the that's all subtext that's not the subject of the movie so vast majority of the time when you know either a black director or black stars are given the opportunity these days in in hollywood to really star in a movie it's going to be about you know name your prominent you know, African-American hero who overcame racism in some way. And those are great. Like those stories need to be told, but 
eventually you need to have give black actors the opportunity to do a movie that's not about you know historical african-american suffering but it's about just their um their story in their context and their culture um, rather than just how they overcame some sort of injustice or racism so so that's refreshing that's great to be able to um to go through you know a movie like that and it not be the dominant um subject of the movie so yeah like i said it's kind of based on on real historical cowboys that you can look up and the names and stuff of the characters that they're very upfront with in the movie um and the one other thing i would say is just there's a <laughs> i'm not going to spoil the movie here but there's there's a joke in the movie about where they're going to um they have to go rob a bank and they're like oh we're going to an all-white town and there's a, the reveal of what that actually is is just really funny I, I, i'm not going to say what it is but encourage people to watch the movie and see the reveal of that that it's um they just do some funny stuff with how that town is is presented so um so let me get into kind of the cast and crew of this movie so which i think is the biggest kind of feature um, of the movie and what made it so intriguing going in and then what really made it a success so the director is a guy by the name of James Samuel, and this is his first feature film um, directing, which is pretty crazy to have this um, stacked of a cast. And it was also, and I didn't know this until the credits started rolling at the beginning of the movie, but this movie is produced by, it's, it flashes up there, it's like produced by Sean Carter, which who was Jay-Z. And I was like, I didn't know that, that's exciting. So um, you can tell early on in the movie, just the, the musical pieces of the movie are certainly there. And yeah, so Jay-Z was a producer on this. I was listening to an interview with him after the fact, talking about James Samuel, just he really believes in him as a director and wanted to, he compared him to Spike Lee, which is maybe a little crazy, but um, you could tell Jay-Z is very invested in in this and believes in in what, what James is doing with this with this film and then, you know, his potential moving forward. So, but beyond the, beyond the producers and the director, the cast of this movie is what really makes it something special, I think. So, I think if you had to say one person is the star of this movie, it would be Jonathan Majors. Um, and if you don't know Jonathan Majors, he is going to be a really, really big, prominent um, actor for the in the coming years. Um, a few things that he's been in previous to this, uh, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, The Five Bloods last year, um, Lovecraft Country, which is a HBO show. Um, and then he appeared at the end of, of Loki and is going to be a big, basically going to be the new um, like Thanos character in marvel so he's going to be huge in in upcoming marvel movies and probably over several films and he's also going to be in creed 3 coming up in a couple of years so just going to be huge um he's a really um i think effective actor and does is great in this in his performance in in this film and is kind of the the central you know protagonist in this in this film so but he is not <laughs> the only star by any means of this movie this is a really really deep cast and let me talk about Lakeith Stanfield and Zazie Beetz, who are two of the, um, I don't know, probably five most, five top casted members in this as far as screen time. So for those that aren't familiar with the TV show Atlanta, so this, this show came out in 2016. Um, there's been two seasons now. They're working on the third and fourth season as we speak. But the this is a TV show about, like um, a rapper and his producer and like their adventures and stuff in Atlanta. Um, Donald Glover was kind of the star of this show starting off, but this show has really, really impacted 
I think just Hollywood in general and film and television moving forward because the core four actors of this show have really gotten a huge bump from Atlanta itself and just get a chance to feature. It was been one of, it was one of the biggest shows on TV when it was coming out, one of the best shows on TV winning Emmys and everything. And the four main actors have really gone on to, to do a ton of stuff and they're going to continue to be very, very prominent um, in, in movies and TV moving forward. So I mentioned Lucky Stanfield and Zazie Beetz who are in this movie. So let me just go through who the four kind of main characters are of the, of the show Atlanta. So, like I mentioned, Donald Glover was kind of coming in as the main um, headliner of that show, um, a.k.a. Childish Gambino. If you know him from his his musical work, he's the one that w- had been in a ton of stuff before. He's done movies, he's done TV, um, he does stand-up comedy, does music, um, TV like community and other things. But he was kind of the main headliner going into this. He has probably gotten the least of a bump from Atlanta because he was already famous, but I would say you know, from 2016 when the show came out, he had musically Redbone came out that year, which was one of the biggest songs of the year and, you know, certainly got a big bump for him. And then this is America um, a year or two later. So him as childish Gambino probably got more of a bump than any of his acting stuff, but he just is a guy that's great at everything that he does. But the three kind of main characters beyond him are the ones that really got a kind of got put on the scene by, by Atlanta and then have, have gone on to do a ton of stuff since then and the crazy thing about atlanta is like i said it started in 2016 there's only been two seasons so they did two seasons and then these people have gotten so famous and been in so many movies and stuff they haven't been able to schedule anything or do anything since then so they've they have filmed seasons three and four um at the same time but you know um this year in 2021 and it's supposed to premiere in 2022 so excited for that to come back but you can just tell how how big they became from that so uh, Brian Tyree Henry, um, as known as Paperboy in the show, in the show Atlanta, is the other one who's not in this movie, The Harder They Fall, but he's been in a lot of stuff um, since then as well. Um, Widows, Into the Spider-Verse as a voice actor, If Beale Street Could Talk. Um, it, he was also in the Marvel movie that came out this weekend, Eternals. So he's he may be the best actor of the bunch that's in Atlanta. He's really great, and I'm excited to see him get some more opportunities to be um, you know, featured in 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 roles in films because he's a very effective actor and then we have Lakeith Stanfield who's been probably the hardest working guy in Hollywood over the last three or four years has been in so much stuff and most of it's been hits so um, Get Out he was he was one of the significant characters in Get Out Sorry to Bother You he starred in that Knives Out he was um, one of the supporting actors for Daniel Craig in that movie Uncut Gems a supporting actor as well Judas and the Black Messiah supporting actor which he got nominated for and for an Oscar and he's all that said he his best role might still be Darius in Atlanta because he's just hilarious a hilarious character in that show so he's also in this um the harder they fall um and very good once again I don't I just don't think he's ever turned in a bad performance and is is a really just one of my favorite people to see on screen and then um Zazie Beetz has been in in several things as well since Atlanta and is in this movie as well Heart of the Fall. She's been in uh, a Netflix movie called The High Flying Bird, which is a really interesting one about like kind of it's about a, a young basketball player and like sports agents and those sorts of things. I'd encourage people to check that out if you're interested in that. It's a good it's a good one. Um, she was in Joker. Uh, she was in Deadpool too. So yeah, the Atlanta bump is very real. And two of the two of the stars being in this movie, Lakeith and and Zazie, was it's great to see them. And I think maybe I'm biased because I've 
loved them in Atlanta and since then, but them being on the screen definitely gave me more kind of investment in, in their characters in this movie as well, just because of that history that I have with them. So, and that is not even to mention the rest of the cast of this movie, which includes Idris Elba, Regina King, Delroy Lindo, um, Dion Cole, and a, a bunch of others. Damon Wayans is in the movie. And yeah, it's, it's just a great cast. <laughs> I mean, putting it together. So a lot of great performances in the movie. I think um, Idris is very good as kind of the antagonist of the, of the movie going against Jonathan majors. And then you have support from, from Lakeith, from, you know, Zazie from Regina King and others, Delroy Lindo. So really, really great cast. And they all put in good performances. And then even some of the unknowns, at least to me coming into this movie, supporting characters are enjoyable, you know, when they're on the screen too. So, so that's all, all great and they lived up to the you know when you see an all-star cast like this you want it to live up to it and i think it certainly does for this movie so getting to the the film itself a couple things again i'm not going to spoil it for anyone but a couple of things that i really liked were it is a classic kind of western plot it's a you know like a revenge story it's got there's dueling um gangs and different um kind of alliances and stuff that you that are spelled out very quickly in the movie and yeah, I think that it does a good job of sticking to that, like, you know, what works for the for a Western-type genre movie and sticking to that, but also adding some of the style that I talk about at the beginning um, to it. So for me, when I turned on the movie, first of all, I was surprised because I saw that it was two hours and 20 minutes or 25 minutes. I was like, that seems long. But once I got into it from the prologue to the opening credits, like the way that they do that, I was like, I'm all in for this movie. This is absolutely going to be an enjoyable experience and it's you know it didn't feel long it didn't feel excessive it was just an enjoyable ride the whole way through so yeah the action kind of the cleanliness of it like I mentioned off the top is for me I kind of prefer that I'm not big into like classic westerns anyway so I was fine with it I think people might be critical about like it doesn't look realistic or true to what those settings may have been back in the day but for me like it works you know they they're in a town that clearly looks like it's a a set and like the the bright paint colors of the buildings and all that other stuff but I didn't care like I was enjoying it to as far as from a visual perspective and you know just to see them um be put in that setting and then go from there so it doesn't necessarily have the realism of a lot of westerns which I mean that's another debate if westerns are realistic you know your classic westerns are probably not either but has some of those kind of tropes and stuff that it still goes to as far as shootouts and stare downs and those sorts of things too so one other thing i would highlight is the the way that the the way that james samuel moves the camera in this movie was really cool i kind of wish i had seen it in the theater because there's a few shots that are really you know there's a a zoom in shot that i'm thinking of where it goes across kind of the whole town through the town square there's a few others that were really more than I was expecting and more than you kind of see from a lot of Netflix movies. So they certainly put a lot into the, the cinematography, the camera movement, movement and those sorts of things too that I I was happy to see and enjoyed. So so I'll give it my kind of rating. Um, but first I'll say it's at it's sitting at 86% on Rotten Tomatoes right now, which is you know a very good score, especially for a Netflix movie. And I think a very fair, yeah, very fair score for uh, for the harder they fall 
interesting, interestingly on IMDb and a few others that are where the scores can be kind of skewed. Something that happens a lot with these sorts of movies, specifically movies with, with either a black lead or sometimes female led movies will have this as well um, on IMDb and other sites that are subject to um, reviews from, you know, anyone can leave a review, any fan, anyone on the internet can leave a review. Sometimes what happens is they get review bombed, which means basically what happens is like, the worst people of the internet will come out and put one star, zero stars, whatever, without even having seen the movie. Sometimes you'll see it before a movie even comes out because they think that they're not happy about, you know, a black person starring in this movie or a woman starring in this movie or something about the, you know, quote unquote wokeness of it or whatever, which as I mentioned at the top, 25% of, of cowboys historically were black. So this is, if anything, just getting closer to and still way behind what the, typical um or what the accurate representation would be but that happens sometimes so take any of those online reviews with a grain of salt this is one that happened um some with that as well with review bombing so i don't know people are dumb but anyways 86 percent among critics it actually has a very good audience score on rotten tomatoes as well which i think is is good people are enjoying the movie and it for me i'm gonna give it four out of five stars um but i'm close between four or four and a half even it was very surprising to me how good the movie was not that i had low expectations going in but for me i think netflix movies sometimes i will be less enthusiastic about or think aren't going to be i knew it was going to be an enjoyable movie but maybe not as good critically so so i was blown away by it i was very pleasantly surprised by just the quality of it from start to finish so it's for me it's one of my um probably most um, one of the movies that exceeded my expectations the most this year, and we'll see you as we get to the end of the year, but it'll probably be on what some of my favorite um, favorite movies of the year lists as well. So yeah, I'd give it a solid four out of five stars and certainly encourage people to check it out. Um, anyone that's interested in Westerns, it's, you know, it's a Western, so there's there's gunfighting and those sorts of things. Not It's not over the top violent. It's not like a, you know, to the extent of, I think there's some Tarantino comparisons that are being made, but it's not like a full... I don't know, Cosmic Gumbo or whatever. Um, I wasn't put off by that, I guess. And I don't think it's excessive to the point of some of those other movies. So that's the harder they fall. Um, let me get to Last Night in Soho. So Last Night in Soho is, this was one of my most, when we did the the preview podcast for fall movies, this was one of my most anticipated movies of the fall. And primarily just because of the, again, the stylistic aspect of it with it being in the horror genre the director Edgar Wright who I'm going to get to in a minute and yeah it was very very high expectations for this for me um, definitely higher than the harder they fall so keep that in mind as I go through this so um, but the concept of Last Night in Soho is basically it's a based on you know the trailers and stuff and going in there are there's a, a young woman who's moved to London and moved to the Soho re- part of London I don't know region or wherever I've never been to London but Soho and she is is there to to go to school and be a student and basically she's having these experiences where she's through visions or dreams or something is transported back from present day to like the 1960s and she's experiencing various things that happened back then you know realistically for her through her dreams at night um, based on where she lives in Soho so kind of an interesting concept and 
a lot of it plays on the idea of nostalgia. So she's very, the main character is very, is someone that's thinks that the sixties were the greatest time ever. And is like, she, all she listens to is, is music from back then and wishes she is, you know, she's one of those people that wishes she was born in a different era, all those sorts of things. And the movie does a really good job of showing that, you know, the goodness of that nostalgia, like, you know, there are certainly good things to go back to. And it starts off with a lot of enjoying, you know, like, oh, this would have been so much better, like the way that people were back then, all those sorts of things. And then it really kind of flips the flips a switch as far as what reality was like back then, too. And some of the darker pieces of it and the ways that, you know, progress has been made since the sixties that we maybe take for granted when we think, Oh, things were better back then. So I liked that aspect of the movie a lot. And I think it did a good job of, you know, showing the importance of nostalgia and why, why people are nostalgic for things. You know, there's a line about how there was, there hasn't been any good movement music since the 1960s or something like that. Those sorts of things that, you know, people say sometimes, and it's good to be, you know, everyone is nostalgic for the era that they grew up in or something that they are able to connect with for whatever reason. But it also is like, hey, things were, these are the problems that were present in the 1960s that were very real too. So so I think the movie did a good job of that because early on it was very like all nostalgia and all, all positive and it flips to kind of what the reality was too. So I think that was really good. Like I mentioned, the director is is Edgar Wright. So he's a very, um, a guy that's done a lot of kind of more comedic things and has been getting into more genre stuff recently. So people probably know him from like Scott Pilgrim vs. the World or the different um, Simon Pegg comedies. There was a, there were three of them, um, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, The World's End. And then he also did Baby Driver recently a couple years ago, which was a kind of action movie and he's very kind of known for especially in baby driver like a lot of a lot of needle drops a lot of songs coming into like pop songs coming into the movie in a very prominent way so that's kind of what he's known for i know he talked a lot going into this movie about really wanting to do a do a horror movie so this is his kind of attempt at that the two main stars of the movie are two young up-and-coming actresses like i said at the at the beginning this is kind of who i was thinking about along with like a jonathan majors lakeith stanfield who are the the up-and-coming actors and so the two in this movie are anya taylor joy and thomas and mckenzie so anya taylor joy is people will know her from the queen's gambit last year the big netflix show she's also starred in in a bunch of movies um split the witch emma other things she's gonna be she's gonna be um in the Mad Max pre prequel coming out in a few years with that George Miller's directing as, as the, the, um, Furiosa character, um, which was, who was the Charlize Theron character in the most recent Mad Max. So, so that'll be cool. Uh, but she's been a lot of stuff, really up and coming actress and is very good in, in pretty much everything that she does. And the other star of the movie is Thomas and McKenzie. So she was in the main thing I knew her from was Jojo rabbit. Um, two years ago, I think. And she was also in the recent M. Night Shyamalan movie, Old, and uh, The King a few years ago, Netflix movie with Timothy Chalamet. So so she's, those are the two main um, actors of the, actresses of this movie, and they 
this is a lot more of like a two person show rather than the kind of the ensemble of the harder they fall. The other person I wanted to mention, I didn't even know she was in this until I was watching the movie, but Diana Rigg, um, in her last performance before she passed away last year, um, is the, is like the landlady in this, in this movie and super famous, super like accomplished and someone that's been acting for like 50 or 60 years. So significant in that, in that piece. And she's good in this as well. So the film itself, one of the really interesting things was the, the dream sequences, the vision sequences are, so Thomas and Mackenzie's character is going back to the 1960s and she's seen the um, Anya Taylor-Joy's character and kind of wanting to live her life and experience what she's experiencing. And they do, there's a few different moments where they, kind of replace each other or are reflecting each other through either mirrors or through cutting in and out where they're kind of experiencing the same thing together. And it was interesting to read about after I saw the movie because they, almost all of that, you know, you'll see it as you watch the movie, almost all of it's done with practical effects and not not CGI or not cutting two different takes together. But they're actually, there's, a, there's one scene where they're, they're dancing with a character and they're like being replaced through every like spin or every kind of few seconds um, through the dance. And that was all done through like camera work and choreography um, in one take, which is really cool. And something that was, I'm sure crazy to <laughs> try to film it. I'm sure it'd be interesting to see the behind the scenes of that one. So uh, there's also scenes where she's, um, you know, one or the other of them are reflected in a mirror, like right next to them, those sorts of things. Those were all, you know, practically done with mirrors and stuff as well. It's not, they're not pasting two shots together for the most part. I think there's a couple, they mentioned a couple quick moments where they use CGI, but otherwise it's all practically done with, with mirrors and choreography and camera work and that stuff. So, so that's really cool and interesting to, to watch in the, in the movie and think about how they made that work. So that's all well done. I think the story itself is more, you know, people may disagree depending on your tolerance for like horror and stuff, but this is more of a kind of a mystery movie than a horror movie. There are some, you know, quote unquote ghosts or hauntings or, or whatever, but not a lot of what I would consider scary moments or jump scares or those sorts of things. So yeah, I think the style aspect of it didn't necessarily allow it to go to the depths of another horror movie, which I enjoyed more. Like I don't want just horror for horror's sake. So, um, but that was just something that was maybe, not exactly what I expected for this for this movie. So overall, I would give it, I was between either three or three and a half stars out of five for this one. I would say it probably fell a little bit below what my expectations were. It's still good. I would encourage people to see it and watch it if you're interested in it because it was an enjoyable movie to watch. I don't think it maybe held up as well as I had hoped it to. Again, I had high expectations going in. I'd give it three and a half stars because of the performances, especially Anya Taylor-Joy. I think that they kind of elevate the the movie beyond what the screenplay itself was because I think that that was what was really kind of uneven about it was there's a couple of really great scenes where it's like you're watching it and you're like, this is, you know, this is cinema or whatever. This is what you're wanting to see, something that you haven't seen before or just a really effective moment. And then there's other parts that kind of fall flat and are, yeah, just a really uneven screenplay overall, I would say. So that was that was disappointing. It's not bad by any means, but 
maybe didn't live up to the high bar that I that I had for it. So I'd give three and a half stars for that one for for the harder they fall. Uh, but I'd encourage people to check out um, either one of them or both of them, depending on what you're interested in. Both very, very worthwhile movies to see. Again, both original stories by, you know, there's some references they're drawing from, especially in The Heart of They Fall as far as historical cowboys and those sorts of things. But original screenplays, original stories that are not, you know, that are different. I think we need to kind of support and reward beyond your typical Marvel or other IP or other sequel um, property. So I'm glad glad to have both these movies coming out um, over the past couple of weeks and to be able to see them both. And yeah, I would encourage people to check them out if you get a chance. So yeah, so that's our double feature for this week, Last Night in Soho and The Heart of They Fall, um, two, two enjoyable movies to see. So people check those out if you get a chance. And yeah, we'll be back with more, more movie talk as we go through the fall for sure. Uh, sports as well and yeah got a few good things kind of cook, cooking up in the in the podcast schedule for the coming weeks so yeah this is enough of me talking by myself monologuing so but wanted to just share those those movies i got a chance to see and um, would encourage people to check them out again so yep um with that we'll see you next time <laughs>